Welcome to the Berkeley Journal of International Law's podcast, Travaux. I'm your host, Julia Wang, and this is The Current State. Welcome back to Travaux. I'm Julia Wang, and today I'll be talking with Amanda Colding about the need for U.S. international cooperation in regulating digital assets. Hi, Julia. Glad to be here today. Thank you so much for joining us. To begin, can you describe the emerging digital assets market and the potential challenges that this brings? Of course. With the rise of cryptocurrency and digital assets, there's excitement and cultural buzz that makes crypto platforms like Bitcoin gain popularity. Yet, with the rush to use these financial platforms, there's not been a full, in-depth assessment of the risk crypto poses to the economic market. According to the Commissioner of the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, or CFTC, Christy Goldsmith-Romero. And what specific risks does Commissioner Goldsmith-Romero raise? She compared the state of unregulated crypto markets today to the profound lack of awareness regulators had in 2008 of market risks from unregulated companies and products. And she's not the only one. Acting Chief of the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, Michael Shu, also drew this comparison. Today, the financial market is shifting from traditional financial assets and institutions to digital asset trading platforms and services. Although this economic shift comes from this new technological innovation, the drawbacks of this new developing system pose regulatory challenges for traditional financial institutions and banks. There are rising concerns about potential financial crises surrounding unregulated digital assets and the unassessed risks behind digital asset trading platforms. And what specific factors make people concerned that digital markets could present the same risks and issues that gave rise to the 2008 financial crisis? These concerns are rooted in, as Goldsmith Ramiro put it, opaque, complex, leveraged, and unregulated products, underappreciated risk, a lack of confidence that underlying assets are stable or of high quality, and lots of connections between market participants. And have there been real-life examples of these risks, or does the concern remain more theoretical? Oh, definitely. There have already been instances of contagion risk among collapsing digital asset trading platforms. For example, there was the case of TerraUSD, a stablecoin explicitly designed to hold its value at $1. In May, an overall plummet in cryptocurrency values undermined TerraUSD's supposedly stable value, causing it to collapse and taking its sister token, Luna, with it. Due to TerraUSD's collapse and a resulting lack of confidence in stablecoin from investors, Tether, the world's largest stablecoin whose value is pegged one-to-one to the U.S. dollar, sank below its $1 value. The collapse of both Luna and Terra USD and Tether's reduction of its total market capitalization by $9 billion emphasizes the risks that come with a lack of confidence, run risk, and contagion risk. Contagion risk also impacted Three Arrows Capital, a cryptocurrency hedge fund which defaulted on loans to Voyager Digital, a cryptocurrency brokerage service, which in turn ultimately filed for bankruptcy. Three Arrows Capital also caused the financial distress for three different lenders, including Genesis, BlockFi, and Blockchain.com, and the failure of the Celsius Network, another crypto lender. These lenders had to liquidate positions and halt lending. So what is the global economy doing to combat these potential pitfalls? So on a global scale, many countries have come together this year under the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development to create a proposal for a transparent financial system known as a Crypto Asset Reporting Framework. Under this global framework, countries will come together to collectively contribute to cross-border tax information exchanges for digital assets. 
As of October 10th, CARF has been finalized and presented to G20 financial ministers and central bank governors, but implementation will ultimately be left to each local jurisdiction. The CARF system ensures the exchange of this information on a reciprocal basis, especially information from decentralized finance, which lacks a centralized intermediary. One reason behind different countries seeking global tax transparency from financial institutions is that these decentralized financial systems can be exploited if there aren't mechanisms to monitor whether funds originate from illegal activity or intending to go forward funding criminal activity. According to the U.S. Department of Treasury, crypto assets and markets that are unregulated can breed fraud, abuse of market practice, and theft. And what role, if any, has the U.S. played in these international efforts? Although there is this international effort to create a more regulated market and a unified global standard, it's unclear whether the United States will join its global partners in adopting this framework. CARF works toward creating a more regulated digital assets market through tax transparency, specifically by increasing tax administration's visibility on tax-relevant activities and helping to determine whether associated, associated tax liabilities are appropriately reported and assessed. To date, the U.S. has not provided reciprocity when enforcing the Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act, or FATCA, among its global partners. FATCA requires foreign financial institutions to disclose information on U.S. taxpayer accounts to the IRS or face a 30% withholding tax on payments from the U.S. When this legislation was initially introduced in 2010, the U.S. Department of Treasury announced that the U.S. was willing to enter into intergovernmental agreements to reciprocate the collection and exchange of information of accounts in U.S. financial institutions, especially of foreign persons living in the U.S. Yet, in practice, the IRS hasn't been able to share account balances because no mechanism required U.S. banks to report foreign individuals' bank account balances to the IRS. The resulting unilateral exchange created tensions amongst different global powers, including EU members for data privacy reasons. As opposed to when the United States agreed to FATCA, this time the U.S. is not guaranteed to have the same power or ability to conduct these unequal data exchanges, especially when it comes to cryptocurrency and digital assets. So what options does the U.S. have if it wants to regulate assets domestically and internationally? Essentially, there are three options. One is to continue to use the FATCA framework and incorporate digital assets into its legislation. If the U.S. were to amend FATCA, the government would then have to renegotiate current bilateral intergovernmental agreements, which have received global criticism for the lack of reciprocity. This poses an issue for renegotiation purposes, especially because the U.S. government was very heavy-handed in its unilateral approach with FATCA. So some countries, including those with crypto exchanges that rely on U.S. account holders, may be hesitant to renegotiate. Second, the U.S. could create a parallel tax system, which incorporates digital assets into its framework that would work alongside FATCA. In this case, the U.S. would have to enter into multiple intergovernmental agreements to function. This would be more difficult because the government no longer has the capacity to withhold U.S. source income for non-compliant parties, which it did when it unilaterally set up the FATCA regime. The last option is to join its global partners in a reciprocal exchange of information to maintain uniform international standards when regulating digital assets under CARF. Having the U.S. join the global market economy, along with 38 member states of the OECD and the G20, will enhance global transparency on equal footing. This would contribute to the emerging international law surrounding digital assets and tax transparency, which each country could acknowledge and adopt into their domestic law. And has there been any indication of what the U.S. might do? 
So the Department of Treasury recommended legislation in the Green Book for the 2023 fiscal year that allows the IRS to share digital asset information globally through a system that is similar to FATCA. The recommendation states that the Secretary of the Treasury has the authority to implement regulations to allow for an international automatic exchange of information that includes providing foreign individuals' bank account balances under FATCA. This indicates that the U.S. might be moving towards the second option I mentioned of creating its own parallel system based on multiple intergovernmental agreements. Thank you so much for this overview. Any last takeaways you'd like to share with our audience? Ultimately, if the U.S. adopted CARF, it would contribute to overall transparency and uniformity in digital markets. Doing so would bring legitimacy to the regulatory framework for digital assets while also establishing the U.S.'s willingness to join its global peers in combating tax evasion, money laundering, and terrorist financing on an international scale. Creating a system of global transparency in the digital asset financial system would strengthen the global economy and prevent harm like the 2008 financial crisis. The U.S. has the opportunity to participate in a global community that cares more about the health of the global economy than maintaining unilateral power. Leaving the developing and volatile digital part of the market unprotected and unregulated creates a dangerous situation for the U.S. and global economic market. Although the United States has been a global leader, the decision to commit to non-reciprocal efforts and unilateral agreements between its partner countries puts its citizens at risk for financial harm especially when people are investing their pensions and retirements into digital assets. Thank you so much for being with us today, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Travaux is brought to you by Hiep Wen, Kyle Tang, Julia Wang, and the rest of the online team at the Berkeley Journal of International Law. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please write to us at berkeley.travaux at gmail.com. While we're committed to bringing you international and comparative law news and insight, our podcast is intended for academic and entertainment purposes only. The information presented is not legal advice and may not be current. Please check out the Berkeley Journal of International Law's blog, Travaux. See you next week. Au revoir.